The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hello, you're listening to the All This Podcast as part of our ServiceNow series. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Jack Clement, CTO of Spock Luxembourg. Jack, great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Very happy to be here. So, Jack, tell me a little bit about you, your journey to now, and how you got into the world of ServiceNow. Yes, I'm Jacques. I'm based in, in Luxembourg, this tiny country at the center of Europe. And my background is mostly software developer and system designer. And I started developing when I was 13 on those Commodore 64, for those who remember those. I currently work for a company called Spock in Luxembourg, and we are a ServiceNow integrator. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But the way I came into ServiceNow is I spent most of my career working for a large managed services provider with a global presence worldwide. And in about 2008, we had six or seven different service centers across the world, places where people would call and ask for assistance or repair of some sort. And we were running those operations across five or six different IT service management platforms at the time. So that would give a a very bad experience for those global customers who would call, they would call Singapore and maybe Johannesburg the day after. And then they would get a different experience because we were running and operating out of different platforms. So we decided we needed to enhance that. And we went out on the market looking for a replacement for basically the core of our managed services platform. And we came almost randomly across ServiceNow through friends of friends. And when we saw it for the first time, we had that conviction that it's, that it would be absolutely what we what, what we needed. So we started talking to ServiceNow, like I said, in about 2008, we embarked on, we wrote an RFP, they landed the, the deal with us. We started with a small proof of concept. And at the time it was a company with, I think a few dozen employees. They were making 6.5 uh, million US dollar. And we were a company making 1.2 billion in services only. So obviously we were like, can we actually put the core of our platform into the hands of such a small company? But we were so convinced that they had the technology we needed that we went ahead and no longer work for this company, but they still run their business on service now 12 12 years after that. So I guess, I guess means we probably made the right decision back then. Yeah. It's pretty interesting how you had the faith in a company like that where 90% plus of companies fail. So it's what you were seeing must have been pretty special. Absolutely. And we were coming from other architectures tool-wise and very monolithic, all technology. Whenever product managers would come to us and say, hey, I have that ID for, I don't know, managed network, managed data center, managed coffee machine, you name it. Can you add this? Can you add that? 
we were like, yeah, of course, you can get this in six months and we're going to have to take everything down for an entire weekend before you can, you can even speak to that, speak about that new feature to your customers. So we had such, such a gap between what the product managers wanted and what we were able to offer that when we saw ServiceNow and you could literally do online upgrades and add features, change forms, add reports, basically by right-click on a screen, we were like, this is incredible. We absolutely need this. So yes, there was a risk engaging with such a small company, but Fred Lurdy at the time and, and his team, they were so convincing. Their story was so nice to hear that basically couldn't resist. We did some homework, assessing the technology, asking whether what, what kind of um, guarantee we could get if we start working with them. And we had a contingency plan, of course. We also asked our CTO to fly over to San Diego. And, but at the end, the technology was so superior, so better than anything else on the market that we decided that's the right thing for us to do. And it worked out really well. Their, gro- their growth has been, um, it's been phenomenal, actually very similar um, where they are now to where Salesforce uh, were at a similar point. Uh, yes. So it's, it's very particularly interesting to see what's going to happen. So tell us a little bit about Spock and Spock Luxembourg and, and your current role there. Yeah, sure. So Spock is a group of, of several companies. The biggest operation is in Poland. That's where the company was founded in 2010. So actually more than 10 years ago. And we opened the Luxembourg branch two years ago. And really because we thought that we could have a, a we could make a difference for those customers in Luxembourg, but maybe in Belgium, Switzerland, France, basically the surrounding French speaking countries, because it's still a little difficult to find good service now consultants who can speak French and with with certain customers, when you get to the the difficult part of a project, being able to speak the native language is is very important. So we are 100% ServiceNow only. This is the only occupation we have, and we basically cover all aspects of the of a ServiceNow customer experience, if I could say this. So, so we can work on a proof of value. We can work on the architecture side. We can do the implementation support. You know, with some customers, we just stay at the consulting level. And with some other customers, we go really deep in almost offering a managed service now with a whole team, project managers, consultants, developers, and everything. If you you ask me, okay, what is it you want to do with Puck as a CTO? We're still a small organization. I get into escalations and I do a bit of consulting myself. I want to keep my hands dirty. But what I want to bring as a CTO is that making sure that professional excellence value is being shared by everyone in the organization, including salespeople, pre-sales, but obviously the consultants, and try to approach things not from a technology standpoint. Yeah, it's a great technology. We spoke about that. But at the end of the day, it's not a cheap product and you get a lot of value for what we buy. But for a lot of customers, the way they can articulate the project or the way they can extract as much value as possible from the project, it's not obvious. It has become a very large platform. And just installing ServiceNow and thinking you're going to realize the entire value of the product doesn't work like that. So long story short, we're trying to approach things more from a business standpoint, like what an enterprise architect would do. Okay, tell me about your mission statement. Tell me about your vision. 
what are your pain points and try to sort of narrow down to where we can make a difference. Let's be honest, a lot of ServiceNow projects are still around IT service management, incident change, problem service catalog. But at least we want to start the conversation with the customer by talking about their business and where they think ServiceNow can help them and their customers and help their customers, of course. Thank you, Jack. And you know, that's, it ties in really nicely to my next question. Tell me about some of the type of projects you're working on and then tell me about some of the vision of where these projects can go. Yeah. So industry-wise, we have clients from different industries. We're in Luxembourg, so we have a lot of banks, but also public organizations, uh, quite a few, and managed services providers. And I'm obviously coming from that space. When we speak to managed services providers, I believe I can have interesting conversations with uh, business managers and applications managers. I spoke about that a little bit, so I have to be honest, a lot of projects are still around ITSM. Very often, it's the it's still ServiceNow's entry point. Originally, actually, ServiceNow was a development platform, and I think ITSM was more like a showcase to to demonstrate the power and the value of the platform. But interestingly, it has remained the main ServiceNow application. Logically, I'd say we do a lot of IT service management projects. Having said that, what we see are also customers who are using ServiceNow not only for their internal IT users, but also as a tool they use to deliver services or sell products to paying customers, external customers. And if you go back 10 years ago, ServiceNow didn't have an offer for what they call today CSM or customer service management. And as a result, a lot of customers are transitioning from some sort of heavily customized ITSM for external users into CSM. It causes a lot of problems because the, the taxonomy is not the same, the sort of objects and data you have to deal with is not the same. So we're dealing with many customers who are transitioning from ITSM to CSM. And that by itself, I would name that a category of projects. The second big trend that we see in terms of projects is the CMDB. CMDB by itself doesn't really bring anything. It's only when you combine it with other processes and also with the vision of the organization that you start realizing the value of the CMDB. But for a very long time, the CMDB at ServiceNow wasn't as good as it is today. I'm talking about the data model and how things work together. And here as well, with customers being on the platform for five, six, seven, eight years, sometimes even more, they never really put a, fo a proper focus on their CMDB. And as a result, you can see that the CMDB was mostly used as a high-end asset management database, pretty much. An asset is not a CI, a CI is not an asset, but that is not so obvious for a lot of customers. But now that they're done with their IT service management project or incident problem change, they want to take more value out of, the, out of their CMDB. So we're going into some sort of, uh, okay, CMDB V2 or next-gen CMDB, and we're doing some remodeling of the CMDB, some data migration, because they believe they can, again, always the same theme somehow, extract more value of, their, of the licenses they, they buy from ServiceNow. And finally, I'd say we see more projects at the scale of Luxembourg, it's maybe two or three, but in the surrounding countries, it's a bit bigger, more projects on GRC and, and asset management, ITBM a little bit, where we stand not so many on ITOM and discovery, 
but definitely GRC and asset management are, are, are coming more and more often. There's maybe one thing that I'd like to add, which is maybe not a ServiceNow project per se, but what we have come across is the following pattern. We see large organizations with territories in you know, Luxembourg or Belgium or anywhere else, and the ServiceNow project is being managed and deployed by a central group and they are they are asking their branches or territories to basically work with a local ServiceNow partner to onboard them into that central instance. And it, the reason why it's very interesting because sometimes those projects are being driven, you know, by a central team based somewhere in the US or in the UK or in France or whatever, Germany. And it's being done with a certain idea in mind of how things should work and what is priority one and what is not. But then the local teams who have to used to work with a different tool or different processes, now they have to adjust or adopt a brand new tool. And as a partner, we see a value in helping them just onboarding into their mother's company project somehow, which by itself can be very challenging, but also very interesting. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. Tell me about some of the challenges. Yeah, so I'd say it's probably both from a customer and Spock as a partner standpoint is the lack the lack of resources is probably challenge number one. As your service now has a massive hype right now, it has attracted a lot of people and a lot of developers on the platform. What we're lacking though, ServiceNow consultants who maybe had a previous life or are coming from different industries and are willing to combine their knowledge of the industry plus their knowledge of ServiceNow. And those people are extremely difficult to find and attract but they can make a very big difference on the project, which kind of leads me to the, the second, second part is one of the challenges to, in many projects, things have been approached in some sort of with a technical view only. And then over the years, and we see that more and more with the older implementations, the ServiceNow instance has become very difficult to manage. There are so many customization points so many fields added, tables, modules, sometimes against basic ServiceNow recommendations about what's good and what's not. And one of the challenges that we see is being able to retrofit somehow or bring those customers back into a point where they can easily upgrade their instance and where they can easily adopt new ServiceNow modules and new ServiceNow products. And this is a big challenge. And I guess the third big challenge that we see is for those customers who you know cannot really adopt the platform as is and use a lot of out of the box features somehow we see some projects not being approached with the proper system design and software architecture in mind and just because it's so easy in ServiceNow to customize things some would say sorry for my french but make basically adding so many custom things that we tend to forget that you still have to think about your design. You still have to make sure your code is maintainable. You still have to factor your code and not copy paste. You have to be very careful about what is it you can touch and not touch. 
And what we're, what we're seeing in some implementations where those basic rules have not been uh, followed. And here again, we have to go back into a point where we can, we are in a safer place. And again, we can adopt new modules and we can benefit more from what the value, from what the platform has to offer. Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about adjusting, retrofitting, and you know, really the, it's so crucial in the system design because if you think about working on things that don't need to be worked on, well, the easiest way to maintain code is not to actually write the code. And you, know, you just have to be very careful that you're not given too much autonomy to work on these things because you have to maintain them. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So tell me about some wins, learns along the way. Love to hear them. Yeah, what is very interesting and wins we have, unfortunately, I cannot really name clients, is when you work, yeah, I know ServiceNow is very much about, you know, making the workplace easier and a better place to work in. But obviously, because I'm coming from a managed services space, I'm also very interested in how ServiceNow can assist companies in their core business, in the things they sell, offer, produce, etc. And what I really enjoy and where I see big wins is when you can articulate the product or deliver a ServiceNow project in such a way that the paying customers, the customers of your customer will benefit from a better service. And uh, a way of making that happen is, that's going to sound very cliche, but it's really by starting with the why. And I'm not necessarily thinking of the Simon Sinek's why, but more like, again, how enterprise architects approach things. Tell me what your business is about. What is it you're selling? What are your customers saying about how you deliver the service, how you deliver the products, how you're taking care about them once they have purchased your products? And that's where we can find really big wins if we, if we follow that approach when implementing projects. Every organization somehow today is has some sort of digital uh, transformation happening, whether you're big or small organizations. And even if you think you don't have a digital business, you do just the way you appear on, on, on the internet may have, may have an impact on how people perceive your business. This is where we see really great wins. Otherwise I'd say we discussed that a little bit. If we, we, one should try to adopt as much as possible and try not to adapt that much. I do understand that every organization is special and has its own ways but sometimes if you go a little deeper and you you walk through the value chain you can that you can probably find some generic patterns and those generic patterns most likely have been already considered by service line the platform and as much as you can you should adopt we we discussed a little bit about those instances that have been customized so much that they become unmaintainable and sometimes some of the wins we have are about taking them into a better place so they can adopt once again new products from ServiceNow. But some other organizations have just decided this wasn't a possibility anymore. And I came across recently that article explaining that Shell, the old company, decided that they would do a migration from ServiceNow to ServiceNow. So I suppose that doesn't happen that often. Typically, you migrate from a platform to a new technology or a new vendor. But in that, in that case, they came to a point where they couldn't win that battle. They couldn't get to a point where they would be out of the box enough. And they just decided to migrate from their previous ServiceNow implementation into a brand new one, a, a brand new one, 
with very strict policies in terms of what was uh, uh, customizable. And actually nothing could be customized. And I think you would probably need a couple of VPs to sign in order for you to uh, customize. And I think that's a very interesting uh, way of seeing where the platform is going. Yeah, and do you see any, and I suppose my final question, Jack, do you see any particular trends? I know we were talking off here where some interesting high profile companies have made the change to service now. What, where do you see this playing out? It obviously, ServiceNow is obviously buying over a lot of AI companies as well. Yes. So it looks particularly interesting. Yes. So it's always interesting to see the first demos we had 10, 12 years ago. It was all about right-clicking, adding tables, editing a form. Hey, look, you can add a business rule, etc. Whereas right now, when you see the message and, and how they position the platform, is very much about workflows and citizen developers. See how you can sit next to a process owner and build the whole automation of the workflow all together. And I believe this is really where the platform is heading. It's just a beginning. It's going to be more and more about having people who can articulate the value of the platform with what it comes with and probably less about here's that crazy JavaScript developer who can do whatever you're asking for on the platform. So a big trend is going into a world of workflow automation. You don't need to be technical to make a difference. You don't need to be technical to extract value out of the platform. When it comes to AI, you see the recent acquisitions of ServiceNow. I can't recall the name now, but they recently acquired that company who's working on AI ops, trying to minimize the impact of events, or at least trying to reduce how many events you have to deal with as much as possible and be super proactive, almost predictive. Something's going to go bad even before it becomes an incident. And this is really something that ServiceNow will go very big into. When you look at ServiceNow, I think if we had to measure the success of, of, of a ServiceNow project, could be like, no one knows it's ServiceNow running in behind. As a user or as a customer, you go onto a portal not because you like being on a service portal, it's because you have a problem. And if you only spend 30 seconds or 60 seconds on the portal because you just had to say what you problem in in plain terms, and then you've got some AI being able to very accurately categorize your problem or categorize the reason why you've been here. Was it for an incident, a request because you're happy, unhappy, and then kicking the kicking the workflows that are appropriate? I think that would be really nice, like almost like measuring how much time your users, your customers spend on the portal, and that should be as little as possible because that means you have served them very well and they don't need to stay any longer in the portal would be an interesting perspective on measuring the success of the project. And I think this is where ServiceNow is going to go, more workflows, more automation. And the less you hear about ServiceNow, the better the job is being performed, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more non-technical, more workflows. It's in the background. It's allowing people to succeed. And I find the acquisition very exciting to what the future is, is going to bring. Jack Clement, CTO at Spock Luxembourg. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. 
You can also head over to our website, www.allthis.com to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.